podcast you're here for our draft special my name is Justin Mosqueda I'm at J-U-M-O-S-Q I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald his at is at four verts we're here with our very special guest from the Chaps draft guide Uncle Chaps you can find his twitter at Uncle Chaps say what's up to the people Chaps what's up everybody thanks for having me on fellas oh, we're so excited to have you we, we really need somebody with some supreme NFL draft analysis so Chaps and Neely that's that's who we need to have on all right, so <laughs> you're right about that. <laughs> I, I think we, we should start off with a mock draft. So who who do you got going number one? Um, number one, I got. I guess Garrett, right? He's like, he's the dude. Right? <laughs> you tell us. Like yeah. he's got to be the he's got to be the guy. Um, number two, who's picking? Who's picking second? There we year? go. <laughs> San Francisco. San Francisco. All right, San Francisco. Oh man. I think San Francisco is going to go with Mitchell. I think he's going to go Mitchell. Mitchell. Mitchell what? What's his last name? Trubisky. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right, three. Who you got three? Who's picking three? Bears? Yeah. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. Nailed that. Um, let's go with Allen. What's Jared Allen. Oh. No, is it Jared oh. Allen? Oh. No. John, John oh. Allen. Jared uh, Allen retired like two years ago from the NFL. What's the kid's name from Alabama? John Allen. You were close. John Allen. Yeah. He's going third. No doubt. Love that guy. All right. How many more prospects do you know? Like, could you fill out a top 10? Oh, God, no. I, like, honest to God, because I'm a Jaguars fan, let's get down into the weeds. Because I'm a Jaguars fan, I've looked at the draft and been like top five guy, like top 10 dude, and really loved the draft for a long time. But this year, I just have taken a break from football, honestly. So since... Your Falcons lost the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think I've read one article that was about football the entire time. That's like nice. at all. And it's been great. So I'm going into this draft knowing that it's probably going to be like Allen or Fournette. I've seen a lot of Watson tweets on my timeline. So maybe that'll happen. Maybe that'll happen, which I'm cool with getting another quarterback too. But it's been really, really good. And I'm going into the draft like stress free because I don't give a fuck who we pick. So who you got for? You didn't answer the question, man. Jaguars four. Uh, I would, if they were going to go running back, I would want them to shock the world and go McCaffrey because I think he is dynamic. I think he's the kind of guy that can because they have Allen Robinson and they have Hearns, so they have some bigger body wide receivers. So if you move him all around, like if you move McCaffrey all around, and then somewhere in the Second or third round, you pick up a quarterback who's an accurate thrower. I feel like their offense can make a big jump. Yeah, I feel just like accurate. All- doesn't even have to be like a down the field guy. Just be like accurate inside fifteen yards, which Bortles isn't. Yeah, I feel like the Jaguars, if they had average quarterback play, they could have contended for the AFC South title last year. Just oh, average. I think so. Too. I mean, I, I think that if you if Bortles didn't play poorly, their defense played well enough to to win games, but. Their defense was fake good, too, because I feel like, you know, in the, in the soccer world, they have a term. It's called parking the bus. And I feel like a lot of teams kind of did that against the Jaguars last year because their offense was so horrific that once a team got up by like 12 or 15 points, they just kind of took their foot off the gas and just coasted because they knew that they most likely weren't going to have any threat once they were up by like two scores. Play back like, a little bit. Is there like any hope? For Dave Caldwell right now, but like, do you think he's just gone? Like he's a sitting duck, or like what? What do you think is happening there? I would say he's a sitting cuck. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like he's like how you can resign and knowing that Tom Coughlin's going to come in and be your daddy blows my mind. Like it's it would basically be like the king because he was the king. Like Caldwell was the football king and being like yeah I want to I want to have a boss and like signing I'm not good at my boss so I need to have it and I'm going to stay in the same position. It's really horrific. Like I, I don't even know how you do it. Like I don't know how 
you go to work every day knowing that you were the boss and almost everybody there, you were their boss. But now they just kind of look past you and look at Tom Coughlin, like every single person, because the, the only thing that really changed was Gus is gone. Almost the entire same offensive staff, almost the entire same defensive staff. But everybody looks past Caldwell now, and he's like cool with it and goes on like it's not a big thing, but it is a big thing. Like, how could you do that? He's a sitting cuck. I guess being an NFL general manager, at least having the title of that is pretty cool, even if the responsibilities aren't quite there anymore. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure the pay is not bad as well, but there's got to be a point where you have a little bit of self-respect. I mean, like to sign on in that situation, because if he wanted to essentially be like the head of pro football personnel, he could have got a job doing that somewhere else. Like yeah. I would rather, I would rather move on. I mean, that'd be like having Gus stay on and be like, Hey, you're going to be the head coach, but we're going to have like a, the ultimate head coach and Doug Marone, but you could stay on and kind of do what you did last year, which isn't much. Yeah. So do you think Tom is just going to pull like some dictator shit during the draft and take Watson at four? Cause I feel like that's, what's going to happen. I hope so. I mean, I'm for chaos and fun. And my I'm my basically basically for sports, I like my timeline. Like whatever makes my timeline the best, that's what I root for. Even if my team has to be bad, I want the timeline to be crazy. And I feel like that would happen if Watson was the pick at four. Yeah. How old is Coughlin now? Is he almost 80? No, I think he's 70. He's younger than Pete Carroll. Okay. Wow. Oh, that's weird. Uh, he's but, younger than Pete Carroll. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, fact. I think that's right. Pete Carroll's the oldest coach in the league, right? Yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think there's. I think he's seventy-two. Yeah. So I, I, I just look at it like this. Like this is this is Tom Coughlin's last stop in the NFL. Why the hell would you waste any time with Blake Bortles? Would be what what my guess would be. Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue is what they do with Bortles. Because if you have two top five quarterbacks <laughs> on your team, like that's pretty. Ridiculous. Top five drafted quarterbacks on your team. I don't know what they do with them. I don't know if you just dump him completely, if you cut him, or if you think you can get like a six. I mean, remember like when his draft, when everybody thought that Bill O'Brien like loved him, but why would you give him to Houston? So, I mean, like that would be a team that I could think that he would do well in. Or if you're Arizona, you know, this is probably Carson Palmer's last ride. Like he could go out there, sit for a year and then come back with, with Arizona. But, I don't know what you do with Bortles, but you can't have him on the roster. I mean, you can't. No, because imagine your fourth your fourth overall pick quarterback losing a camp battle to Blake Bortles. That would just be a disaster. And nobody's buying that shit. Like, oh, we're buying, we're bringing in Watson to sit a year. So you're either all out on, you're out on Bortles. So if you're gonna do that and you're gonna make that pick, you got to get rid of him. Got to. All right, switching topics a little bit. You're a big piss guy, right, chaps? Love piss. Yeah. All right, we had two guys after last year, no no failed drug test came out. We have two guys who came out that Ruben Foster and Jabril Pepper, just linebackers who you don't know. Um, Alabama they, and Michigan. There we go. That, that's yeah. a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. um, they, they failed drug tests at the combine, but because their urine was diluted, what do you like? What advice would you have for them? I think stick with that. I mean, if. If I, you can't just come out and say, like, yeah, I diluted it because I, I smoked a lot of weed. Like, you can't do that. So whatever. It's basically saying you're hacked. And no one really cares. Like, I don't think that they really care. But it just sucks that you draft a guy knowing that he's probably going to be stage one of the drug program. So he's like, what, two more hits away from being suspended for four games? Isn't that the rule? Like, yeah, you get three? Some, yeah, something, like that. something like that. It's just crazy. You know you have a drug test coming up. That's I, what I blows my mind is. And you have guys that come out and they're, you know, that they're going to test you like when they're going to test you. Just don't do it for like three weeks and you're good. Like three weeks is all you have to do to make sure you're going to get your highest drafted position possible. Three weeks. I don't even think NFL coaches care if their guys smoke weed. Just be able to be there on Sunday. No, there's no way they do. Why would you care? I mean, why would you care at all? It's stupid that the NFL acts like they care so much. Yeah. Right. And that that's one of the things that I'm like, I don't know. It just seems like the way that the sport is trending, like I'm not even sure if we're going to have like, I don't know if marijuana is going to trigger a failed drug test in four years. You know what I mean? So like when people it talk about be. draft prospects, like I don't know if that's really as big of a deal as we think it is. Yeah, they should. If I was the players union, like I would 
that would be one thing that I held out for because a lot of the top guys, like they do, they get hit like Bell. Wasn't it Bell that did? He got two games or some shit like that for driving with yeah. weed. Le'Veon and Bell and uh, LeGarrette Blount were in the car together. Basically, every wide receiver for the Steelers like gets popped. Like, <laughs> if I was the NFL Players Association, that would be a big one that I held out for. Like, take weed off the test. Like, you want to test me for cocaine and methamphetamines? Like, fine. But if for weed, no. And if I was a player, I'd be pissed at Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck should have been the first dude to say, no, give me a fully guaranteed contract. He should have started the ball rolling. You have to have a dude like Luck or Aaron Rodgers could probably do it next time around. Somebody of that caliber that says, fuck you, pay me. Like, give me everything fully guaranteed or I'm not signing. Because they would. They absolutely would. Yep, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Because, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a little bit uh, with, like, our friend Arif Hassan. But, like, so the, the contracts for, like – Lower guys, right? Like the 20th best quarterback in the league, that number is skyrocketing. But the top quarterbacks really aren't making that much more than they were like six years ago. Because you can't. I mean, what are you going to do, pay? Because those guys are getting like 15, 18% of the cap room already. Like a, Right. You just cripple like your clinic. team. How are you going to pay them 40% of the cap? I mean, you just can't do it. Yeah. So they should have, I mean, if I, the other players should be like, hey, make the quarterback an uncapped position. Like you, you can pay a quarterback whatever you want to, and it doesn't count. Against it's almost, you. it's almost like, like what is it called in the NBA, like bird rights or whatever. Yeah, like you have Larry Bird rights. Yep, that's how fucking what's his name for the Grizzlies, Mike Conley's getting. He's like the highest paid player in the NBA. Yeah, I think he signed for like five years, one hundred fifty-seven million dollars, something like that. Just yeah. ridiculous. So, how how would you go about doing that though? Would you just say, just cut out all the incentives, like like the Total number doesn't have to be as high, but the guarantees will be higher than they normally would have been. Yeah, like I think that if you're if you're Andrew Luck, you just go and you say instead of paying me six years, one hundred and ten million with sixty million guaranteed, every single cent is guaranteed. Like because you already signed the contract, so it's built into it that way, where that's going to be the cap hit if he plays, and you know he's going to play the whole time. But he should have some insurance insurance, like pay me, dude. Like, and if you do that with if you start that ball rolling then why would Kirk Cousins... Kirk Cousins playing the game brilliantly because he's going to end up making more money than anybody. But yeah. that's what you have to do. You, I, If I was... Cam Newton could have done it. Cam Newton could have been the first dude to say, no, I want a fully guaranteed contract, and they would have had to do it. Because you're not... What are you going to do? Not let him go out? You're gonna, are you going to let Cam Newton walk after three years because his... What is it if you franchise somebody three years in a row? It's like something insane, right? It's, it's like ridiculous. You it probably, goes up to like... $30 million or something crazy. Yeah, probably a little bit more than that, especially for quarterback. Yeah, and so you, you know if you're like, I'm going to sign for six years, 110 fully guaranteed, or you're not going to get me at all, I'm, I'll just sign the franchise every year. Yeah. Eventually it'll work. I, I kind of want to see like the flip side of that. What, who is going to be the first team? And I think Washington has a good chance to be that. Who's going to be the first team to just tell their quarterback peace, like deuces? Washington's going to have to. I mean, they're going to get to the point where it's going to be diminishing returns because what is he going to play for next year? I mean, what is his contract going to be? Are you going to franchise him for the third year in a row? Like, no way. I I think you can only tag him twice. But, yeah, they're in a really weird spot because I guess the rumors are at least right that that San Francisco's in the market for him but that uh, Snyder doesn't want to trade him to Kyle Shanahan. And he wants to get to San Francisco, but he has to wait until he hits free agency. So, like, Washington's basically going to be paying this dude, like, $50 million over two years to let him walk for, like, a compensatory third-round pick and have them with, you know, empty hands at quarterback. Like, they're fucked. Yeah, and he's good. Like, Kirk Cousins good. He's not $50 million over two years good. Right. But when, when, who are they going to go get? I mean, then they start all over again, man. Like, to see RG3 and Kirk Cousins, both of them go, and they still don't have a quarterback. Like, it would be crazy. Yeah, I think Kirk actually said he would be okay with staying in Washington if they wanted him, but he didn't get the sense after they fired, uh, I forgot his name, GM. Scott McLuhan. Yeah, Scott McLuhan, that, that he was wanted around there. So that's that's going to be interesting to see. How that unfolds over if the next I, if year. If you gave me $50 million over two years, I would feel pretty wanted. 
Like, I feel like I would be like, they want me around. They just paid me $50 million. They want me around for a little bit. (laughs) Uh, All right, moving on to the next topic. One big prediction for the draft tomorrow. Oh, I love doing predictions. Um, I think that the Titans are going to be the winners of the draft just because they seem like they have got their shit together. Like, they're on... If any of the teams in the AFC South are like on their way on the up and up, I feel like it's the Titans. So I think they're going to probably trade down and end up with like 80 other good players. And there is just going to be a loaded young roster. Like I hope that they don't get McCaffrey because McCaffrey at, with how Mariota plays would be insanely dangerous. I think those two together would be a nightmare. He'd be like their best deep threat. Like the moment he steps on the field, he's their yeah, biggest he, big play threat. Yeah, he would be everything i mean i don't know how you stop those dudes in the titans they're in a nice position where the fifth pick of the draft is almost a luxury pick for them because they already have the quarterback they already have the offensive line in place they they have a couple pieces in their front seven so if you want to take mccaffrey at five why the hell not you just had that pick gifted to you by the rams last year and then you still have your pick at 18 to do whatever you want with that or if they went with like oj howard oj howard be a really good pick for them too like you a big OJ Howard guy? I, I mean, anytime you have a dude that like two straight national championship games and he just shows out, like I feel like a big stage dude is never a bad bad thing to have. And he was like not ever hit at Alabama. Like he just didn't have a lot of he wasn't hit a lot that I remember watching. And he made it through pretty healthy. I think Rap Sheet tweeted that today. That he had like a full clean bill of health for an Alabama dude. That's weird. Yeah, so. he's like a, he's like the virgin target of like the Crimson Tide. <laughs> to be a tight to be that uh, top ten talent, like tight end, and to come through without being beat the fuck up is pretty rare because he wasn't the number one target ever at his school. Like he wasn't the number one guy. He always had great wide receivers and kind of took a lot of the load off of him. Because usually, if you come out, like if you're who was it a couple years ago played in North Carolina, plays for the Lions, Ebron, uh, Eric yeah, Ebron, like and he was the number one target for. North Carolina, and that's usually how the top t- a top ten tight end would look, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, even, that even wasn't Gronkowski the case for came out. Even Gronkowski came out with like all those all those back, back injuries, injuries stuff and out shit. of Arizona. Yep. All right, uh, chaps. Quick question: uh, Who do you think it ex- gets extorted between now and the start of the draft? Ooh, um, I would say Hooker. I mean, if you have a name like Hooker, <laughs> like you're probably <laughs> like he's probably the dude that's gonna get fucked. I feel like here's the thing. Actually, no, never mind. Actually, because there's there's stuff out right now. I was gonna say Urban Meyer guys have like done a pretty good job of keeping things under rugs, but there's an ongoing thing happening right now. Also, reckless speculation, chaps. Did you do you know anything that's happening with this this Gary and Conley thing? Nope, never even heard that name before. Okay, so <laughs> I, I think I think it was Cleveland's ABC site came out and was like, there is a. Uh, sexual assault investigation on an NFL draft pick. We're trying to get involved with the police. They won't tell us anything. He was here on a visit with the Browns, um, but they didn't publish his name. So then it led to like a witch hunt of like people looking through Browns visits, trying to pin. Yeah, it was I did say that. Like, and it was like right was away that people were like, well, it. let's go through who the Browns visit. Like that's such a dangerous thing I to know. do, man. It's a wild reckless, dude. I, was, I, was, I saw that and was like, someone is going to lose their job if this like. Yeah, like, oh, it. well, this guy was here on that day. He's probably a rapist. Like that's not how you want to do business. It's like that. We could do that at Barstool, but you don't do that at <laughs> fucking ESPN. Yeah. You. What else is crazy was. They couldn't release the name of, or we, we know his name now, Garen Conley. They couldn't release his name, but they got a statement from his lawyer before his name came out. So why not just hold on to that for, I guess, 24 hours and then release his name instead of just sending everybody on a witch hunt? Okay, who was visiting the Browns on April 3rd and then the assault got reported April 9th? It, it was, it's just... Wild so are they saying that this is going to be like a Lil Collins type situation? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what he he's already turned down. Uh, he was invited to the draft. He's not going. Lyle Collins had the same thing. Um, people are just it's the same thing where it's just like NFL teams. There's risk right there, and they don't. They, it's just not enough time to figure everything out, get the get everything involved. Because I think they said that because they had like the test kit, right? But that the, the kit, kit yeah. isn't. Yeah, the rape kit isn't coming out until. 
Like they don't know if they, if they can even get it and things like that. So it's like this is this is probably going to take some weeks. Like it's not something that's going to be solved real quick. I wonder, could he do like supplemental draft and be like, I don't want to be in the regular draft. I'll go in the supplemental draft. They they tried that with Lyle. Lyle's agent came out when he remember when he came out. It was like if I'm not getting drafted in the first three rounds and you draft me in the later rounds, I'm just not going to sign the thing. Because I want to sign a huge free agency deal if that's going to be the situation. Then he got to free agency after no one drafted him. No one was going to draft him. Then he got to free agency. He had to sign with Dallas. And then they had a whole issue with the players union, things like that, about, like, you can only pay him so much money. But I think the understanding was basically, like, you know, as soon, like, you you get three years, right, before you can sign onto your second contract. But Mm -hmm. it's a four-year contract on your rookie contract. It was basically, like, the agreement was, like, all right, you're going to play three years super cheap, and like the moment that we can re-sign you and extend you onto a huge deal, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, he didn't do it, but Alan Hearns, that's what happened with Hearns. Like, he was an undrafted dude and played three years and then got his big $40 million contract, like four years, 40. So I think it's the same thing. Like that, Isn't it that they have like a certain pool of money that they can use on unrestricted guys? guys? Yeah. yeah. So wait, so this is Lyle's last year, last year for his deal then, right? Yeah, he should. I think yep. after this season, he'll be able to sign a big deal. Wow, I don't. It, it's messed up that you've that he fell down, but not having the restriction of a fifth year option is also kind of nice too. If you're if you're as good a player he is, but it's kind of strange as well because you know that if he would have got drafted in the fourth round, it would have been the same thing. Like you can the only guys that you can't sign until their fourth is the first round draft pick. Like a second rounder can be draft. I think it's. After the third year as well, yeah. Cause like the, after the, first the Raiders are about three to, season. Yeah, the Raiders are about to uh, extend Derek Carr, so that that would be coming up on his fourth season. I'm just kind of surprised. Even like back then, nobody called his bluff and just burned like a seventh round pick on him because those guys, Dude, those guys get cut I, all the every year. So why not just test? Bro, you almost caught like you almost drafted a potential murder charge. Like, but I don't know. Yeah, but he, he was I think at suspect, that time though. they they were pretty like sure that he didn't do anything though. Like, and they were just like letting it go. But uh, same thing, if you draft a guy in the fourth round or seventh round, you take take a flyer and say, hey, we we didn't know what happened. Jaguars should have done that, man. Stupid. Yeah. Well, the Jaguars are stupid. Yeah, they are stupid. <laughs> what, so, if the Chuck, hold on, if we're gonna talk about linemen and, and the Jaguars being stupid real quick, um, y'all traded for like y'all traded for that left tackle who like held out immediately, like as soon Brandon as Albert. Yeah, shout out to me for breaking that story. Actually, um, did you actually? Yeah, I was. I I knew a dude who is who was in with Brandon, and uh, he was like, "Hey, he's visiting with the Jaguars. They're about to do a trade." And it was like two weeks before anybody else did. Um, so I knew that one, but yeah, they have to know. They had, had to have known. I think that him doing that is kind of bizarre. Like going in after the trade and be like, "I'm super happy to be here, super happy to get to work," and then not actually show up to work is a bizarre move. But I don't really care. It's OTAs. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, he's I, been in the league for ten years. Like, he doesn't really need OTAs. I don't think. All right. So before we let you go on the topic of breaking news. Back when you were, or before you were at your Barstool gig, what was your favorite uh, impersonation of a NFL reporter that, that blew up? Mm, probably the first first one that really blew up, where just because it was fun to watch my Twitter for the first time, like really go insane, which I think I traded Andre Johnson to the Patriots, I think it was. <laughs> it was like... It was like a Jimmy Garoppolo for Andre Johnson trade, and the like the official NFL account like retweeted it, and I heard later on that from like a couple other dudes that Andrew Siciliano was like in the NFL like media center and was like, "Who the fuck is Uncle Chaps? Who the fuck is Uncle Chaps?" <laughs> you had one. Uh, I think that was was that last year or the year before that made it onto ESPN. Yeah, it was last year. Shafter um, was Shafter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Olivia Vernon. Yep. Oh, that's right. Olivia Vernon signing like a monster deal with the Jags, and it was on like. And it's still line. like the numbers were still off, and I picked something that I thought was like astronomical, like ninety million dollars, and he was still like under like what the Giants actually paid him. Crazy. Just that was such a bad contract. All right, uh, before we switch it to the next part, you have anything you want to plug before we let you go? 
Yeah, man. I have a podcast called Zero Blog 30 where we talk about military-related issues and also one called Podfathers. You can find those in the iTunes store or anywhere you can find podcasts. And check out my work on barstoolsports.com where I'll be doing some post-draft work on everybody that the Jaguars select. So there we go. Zero Blog 30, Zero Blog 30, Zero Blog 30. Follow Uncle Chaps on Twitter, at Uncle Chaps, and we'll be right back with our special... Uh, NFL draft guest. He's an accomplished scout. His name is NFL Santa Claus, and he has some scolding hot takes to deliver. See you Outrageous next. name, by the way. Yeah, crazy. Claus, the NFL draft guru, also a very accomplished scout. You can find him on Twitter at NFL Santa Claus, no underscores in that. Say what's up to the people, Santa Claus. Hey, what's up, people? It's the NFL draft guru here. They call me Santa Claus, uh, respected by players, sourced all around the league, here to give knowledge. All right, so we were just talking uh, before we started recording about the Browns and Mitch Trubisky. So, if the Browns trade up for Trubisky, what would you, what would your reaction be to that? So, I have something to say about this. First of all, let me start with this. We're giving too much credit to the Browns analytics, and it's kind of masking what they're actually doing. And I want to take a look back at what Cody Kessler's stats were coming in. They, they have these magic numbers they look for, okay? They look for yards per attempt to be right around eight, and they look for a touchdown-to-interception ratio of around 30 to 7. And if you match that criteria, you're their quarterback. That's what they go by. They have these secret numbers. So they overdraft Cody Kessler. That's the first thing. They know he's bad. By I mean, you could just see with his arm talent, he's not good. So let's get to this coming up pitch. Mitch Trubisky, if they trade up to get him, because they're not going to take him with the number one pick, obviously. But if they trade up, to get him from that 12 pick, everybody needs to be fired before day two of the draft because they don't deserve to get the next picks. It is awful. The hype that Mitchell Trubisky is getting, you can't understand it. I mean, there's no, there's really no direct comparison I could come up with other than possibly, possibly Ryan Tannehill, who didn't have great tape, but had better measurables than Mitch Trubisky by far. And he didn't go number one. He didn't go – I mean, it's just ridiculous, man. I can't, I can't think of anything that's really happened like this. And if, if they really go through with that plan, everybody has to be fired. You've got a clean house. So do you think it's Paul D. Podesta's issue or Sashi Brown? Like, who, who do you think is leading the, Mitch, the Mitchell Trubisky Okay, train? well, what I'm hearing is – this is what I'm hearing. Hugh Jackson wants Miles Garrett. And he's not, I mean, Hugh Jackson's respected. He's a smart NFL person. I mean, he's respected in any circle you go to. But my opinion is it's a mix of deep Podesta, but what I hear is Sashi Brown gets the ultimate decision. So, I mean, if you look back there, they have analytics. If you want to call them analytics, that's fine. But what they really do is they go off college statistics, which, I mean, that's not really even evaluating talent. I mean, look at Corey Coleman. He had the most catches and the most touchdowns. So, oh, okay, let's take him first round. Even though he doesn't really match up prototypically size-wise as the first receiver, I would have taken. If I was in that position, I mean, it's okay, but I wouldn't have taken him. So let's go to their next pick, Ogba. He, he's a nice pick, and I give them credit for that. They went off of his sack totals, and that's how they chose him. And then you get to Cody Kessler, and the next pick after that, and they have that special number in their head, the 29 touchdowns to seven interceptions or 30 to seven. That's what they're looking for. And then they have eight to eight and a half yards per attempt. And Mitchell Trubisky matches up with that exact alignment, whereas Deshaun Watson doesn't. He actually has better numbers, but they, don't, they, they take into account his interceptions more and don't actually follow the tape. They just look at over the numbers. 
So what quarterback would you take? Are you you a Deshaun guy? I'm a Patrick Mahomes guy. Patrick Mahomes, if I'm Cleveland, I'm taking him with the number one pick. And that's just me personally, but I understand Miles Garrett as a transformative talent. My problem with the Miles Garrett at number one pick is in the same conference, I honestly think the tape was a lot better for Derek Barnett. I mean, the tape was a lot better. And Derek Barnett encountered double teams. He, I mean, I just honestly think his tape was so much better. Even against Alabama, he dominated. And he went up against Cam Robinson. So, I honestly, I understand Miles Garrett is the prototype. And I don't have any problem with taking him number one. But I'm a Patrick Mahomes guy. And then I'm a Deshaun Watson guy. I'll put Deshaun Watson at the number two spot. And I wouldn't have any problem if Deshaun Watson went number two overall to San Francisco. I think you have to value the quarterback position if you're really serious about becoming a franchise. You think you're going to play with Brian Hoyer if you're San Francisco? You're joking. But I honestly see Deshaun going to Jacksonville at number four. That's that's where I see him going. So, wait, have you heard from anybody that's that uh, thinks Deshaun Watson also is going to go for? Well, I have somebody who works. He's not. He just works at Jacksonville. He he's in the meetings. He's not a high-ranking official, but he told me that there's a complete culture change in Jacksonville, and he's basically saying Tom Coughlin has taken over. So this pick coming up is going to be Tom Coughlin, and Tom Coughlin has a history. If you go back to New York of taking Syracuse players, which. There are none in this draft, so what's he going to do? He's going to go to the next winner from another New York metropolitan-type area. He's uh, he's looking for a real player. He can't find that, so what did he do? He says, okay, I'm going to evaluate the tape of Deshaun Watson versus Bama. He's old. He, he's not really watching all the games. He's going to evaluate the tape of Deshaun versus Bama. He watched that game, and he's going to take Deshaun Watson. I'm hearing he had the best interviews. Basically, they love Deshaun, but I also heard that from Chicago, which is not true. Chicago is smokescreen trying to get someone to trade, but people do like Deshaun Watson, and he's a convincing kid when you talk to him. What do you What do you think Chicago? So, what do you think happens in San Francisco and Chicago? Because I think everyone has Miles Garrett pinned down at Cleveland number one, right? But I don't think anyone you know has a consensus at two and three. Okay, so. Everybody has a consistent take that Miles Garrett goes number one. And they just are saying Trubisky to kind of garner interest. And as far as San Francisco goes, they're trying to say they like Trubisky to try and get them to trade up. They're not taking Trubisky, in my opinion. I don't think Trubisky is their guy. The thing I do take into account, there's two players on the board. And I heard this. This is a direct quote from John Lynch, the new GM. He said they've narrowed it down to two players. And by that, I take the two players from Stanford. And that is, he's got Christian McCaffrey on the board, and he's trying to convince, Kyle Shanahan is trying to convince him, I can take this guy and make him our bell cow. Because they need, they need a dynamic playmaker, no matter which way you look at it, in San Francisco. And then I think Solomon Thomas is more likely going to be the pick. Because I think McCaffrey... It's too high to reach to take him at number two, but I could see. I do see the possibility. So, do you think they they, they absolutely love McCaffrey? I'm telling you, it is. I mean, it, that's why they want to trade back. If if you hear what I'm hearing, they want to trade back so that they can get McCaffrey, and they don't have to reach to get him at number two. So, I mean, if they could trade back to number six or number, you know, with the Jets or something and bait the Jets into taking Trubisky, I think they would do that. But, I mean, it's it's questionable right now. Right now I would say it's down to Christian McCaffrey and Solomon Thomas. And my answer to that at number two for San Francisco is you have to ask yourself who is getting more say-so at the end of the day. And we don't know. Is it Kyle Shanahan or is it John Lynch, the new GM? It's because be they're Shanahan. both in power. That's what I think. And, and as far as that goes, I see him either 
taking Christian McCaffrey or he settles for Solomon Thomas because those are the two players John Lynch has. He's a Stanford guy. He wants to kick it off with a Stanford player. It makes sense brand-wise and for everything they're doing. And, and they have, if you honestly look at it, I think it's a low bust potential because the, the floor for Christian McCaffrey is, I would say, Darren Sproles. I mean, I, that's the floor. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, so I mean, and he's a bigger, stronger, better athlete than Sproles. So, I, I mean, honestly, I think it's they're going to go with the safe pick at that number two spot. So, I, I see him I, taking Solomon Thomas. I have a question so for you. So, when it comes to number three. No, we don't need – I, mean, do we, <laughs> I, I don't really think we need to run through a whole mock draft in the first round. But I do have a question for you about <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah. About <laughs> – about another running back that you uh, have had some some takes on, Dalvin Cook. Now we're hearing yeah, his. So I got an entire <laughs> report on it. Man. You have what? I got an entire report on why Dalvin Cook is falling, because talent wise, he is I would say the third back in the class. I would actually personally rank him behind Kamara, but I understand ranking him as a third back behind Leonard Fournette at number one, Christian McCaffrey number two. I rank Kamara number three because he hasn't had, you know, any hits, really. He, he only played 12 games this season, I believe. But his tape is his tape is better. So what I will say about Dalvin Cook, before I go into the details on the report that I got, he is basically, he grew up in an extremely tough environment. He didn't have your normal family. He didn't have the mom and dad to lean on. So he grew up in Miami-Dade County. He's from that area. So I do question Tampa Bay. I don't really see him going to Florida just because of everything. But honestly, he checks out to me talent-wise as a first-round pick, no question. But if you see him fall to the second round, this is why. And, I mean, I have basically all the incidents. But, I mean, let me start with this. If you're gun-toting and smoking tree, it's not a big deal. I mean, if we're going to take everybody out of the league who's toting guns and smoking weed, we're not going to have a league. So that's the first thing I will say. But it doesn't make any excuse for what I'm about to say about why his character grade has all of a sudden come up with red flags because I mean, I don't want to assassinate the character of anybody. I'm just going off what I was told. Okay. So here it is. Basically the first charge starts. He was 14 years old. Okay. Oh, Young kid charged with the armed robbery. Uh, the charges are then dropped, but about a half year later. So he's 15 at this point. He's charged with bringing a gun to school. So, I mean, he's 15, and he's got basically these two gun charges as a minor. And his, the lady he's living with, her name's Betty. She's basically an aunt-type figure because, like I said, he's living a rough life. He doesn't have, he's in a poverty-stricken area. He doesn't have, you know, the family that, you know, a prototypical family you hear of. So this was her quote. She says, he was doing wild things in middle school, but he straightened up at high school. So then the next thing, he he didn't really have, I don't think he had any run-ins in high school. He was fine. He was, man, he was an electric player in high school. People would line up to see him. I remember I went to one of his games, and it was incredible. He ran for 275 on, I think, 18 carries. It was like... I mean, it was amazing. But people would line up out the door. So he's back at – this is his first year at FSU. And he was charged with something minor, like just something stupid. He was in a BB gun fight where he shot out some car windows and something happened, so he got cited for that. But then a little later, he – I guess he almost killed three three dogs or something, so he got – he got cited for that. Just It was like a mistreating dogs uh, type of charge. And so we come to, I think, the next year. Uh, this is 
he he basically pulled a gun on his neighbor. Wait, hold uh, on. I've, and got shot. Isn't this like the the uh, report that Robert Klemko or Klemko wrote the other day? Klemko uh, wrote. Klemko went into some of it, but he didn't get all of it. Klemko. What? Uh, let, let him finish, Charles. Okay, sorry about that. Because I think Klemko. I did hear Clem, I didn't look at the Klemko piece yet, but I heard Klemko went into some of it. Did he? Did he release it uh, to the public? Yeah, it came out uh, yesterday. Oh damn! Okay, because this is uh, this all the stuff that I got is explaining why he's dropping. But the thing I there's the one thing that I think drops him out of the first round. Like we've gotten past all the firearm stuff, which I mean, some people will take him off the board, but most won't. Here's the biggest problem, and I don't know if he. Klemko touched on this or not, but before his sophomore year, he was accused of punching a woman outside of a bar, uh, which he got charged with an assault, and that actually went to trial, and he was dismissed by the jury in trial, but the problem is everybody thinks it's a corrupt system down there in Florida State with all the players, so everybody's kind of red flagging it where if you're going to say those things about Joe Mixon, just because Dalvin Cook isn't on video, you can't really knock. You, you have to knock him the same way. Yeah, so, yo, yo, it's, uh, that's, that's basically the reason for his slide because other than that, he'd be a top 20 pick, no question. But, I mean, he does have injury concerns as well. The reason that I talked to multiple teams that told me he, the injury concerns aren't a problem because he played through them, and there were shoulder injuries. He didn't have major knee injuries, so he did have something, uh, an ankle, I believe, that he played through. And that's the reason I ranked Kamara ahead of him is Kamara doesn't have the wear and tear, doesn't have the carries. But I still would rank Dalvin the four back, and I see him going second round now, though, after all this stuff comes out. All right, let's let's. Uh, I got another question for you. Why do you hate Jameis Winston so much? Because I, I see you go on tirades about him all the time on your on your Twitter feed, and it it's, it's pretty funny. But at the same time, I want you to just go into your your hatred for Winston a little bit. It's not as much. Uh, it's not as much hatred as it's. He's the most overhyped prospect and player I've ever seen in my entire time of covering prospects. I mean. He was talked about as if he was John Elway, and his tape was essentially ignored. I mean, if you went back and looked at the tape from his final year at Florida State, it was absolutely atrocious. I've, the amount of overthrows, misthrows, interceptions, you can't make excuses for it. And that's all I've heard from people. And I just don't understand at what point do we start grading him as an actual quarterback and not as just a rookie young quarterback? Because he overthrows Mike Evans seven times a game. He basically, my major problem with him is he thinks that he's already made it. He thinks that what he's done to this point validates everything he has, he has going forward. He doesn't have the strongest work ethic from everybody I talk to. It, they did say a major change in his game was when he went to the Pro Bowl and saw the shape that all the other players were in. He did make a change to his game that following summer. But I just see an inaccurate, immobile quarterback who people just continue to make excuses for. And in my personal opinion, I think you have to gain the trust to become a leader. I don't think you just step in as a rookie and start giving these rah-rah speeches like you're the leader when you can clearly tell there was multiple players I talked to, including the agent for Vincent Jackson. He said a quarter of the team just wasn't on board. Like They felt he had to earn his stripes. But from, from everything I've heard, he's been clean as far as off the field since he got drafted. So as far as that goes, I don't have, I mean, I don't have major problems with him off the field. I think he, 
does get his foot in his mouth saying stupid stuff, but I mean that's I'm not gonna hold that against him. We all say stupid stuff. But I honestly just think he's an overrated player. And I wouldn't want him as my franchise quarterback. It's just that simple. I think basically the fact that he was graded over Mariota was one of the most disrespectful things I've <laughs> ever seen. One, a thousand life. percent with you. A thousand percent with my you. Grade, All right, so let, let, on Mariota, I graded Mariota out as a 93, which that's my grade for Winston was a 77. And if it wasn't for – if Winston had quit – playing and didn't play his last year at Florida State, I would have probably graded him about 85. But once he lost that NFL talent, that really showed, really just covered his deficiencies, I had to grade him down for what he actually did. And his, his mechanics are awful. His mechanics are absolutely atrocious. His wind-up, I mean, he has to fix that delivery if he ever wants to cut down his interceptions. I, he has a hitch similar to Byron Leftwich. Right. And not, so, so here's what – I want to stop you real fast. Yeah, J- Jameis Winston, I think, is second in turnovers last year in the NFL. I totally agree with you that he's overrated. Rookie, he kind of gets – Yeah, his rookie year, he, he would have set a record if they wouldn't have cut down his passing attempts because Doug Martin carried the ball average of 29 times a game in his rookie year. If you cut Doug Martin carries down to 20, he would have set the league record for interceptions. I mean, he's incredibly inaccurate. I just don't get it. Like, I've never seen a quarterback get so much praise. And it must just be because people don't watch the All-22 tape and see, you know, how many throws he actually misses. I mean, it's incredible. Even the throws that are completions are usually off-target. Like, I would love to see him in a QB accuracy competition I don't think he could get it through targets. Like, I don't think he could consistently do that. So how different is he in his last year, right, compared to, like, Deshaun Kaiser? In his, no, Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser. Kaiser. I mean, that, that's, that's the same story, right? Well, I was going to say the Deshaun Watson interceptions, I've heard some people make that comparison, but I don't. I don't find it relevant. If you look at seven, I documented seven of the Deshaun Watson interceptions that were either hit balls by his receiver or a receiver running the wrong route. Yes, and, and that's just that's just me knowing. That's just me seeing it. That's not even what I from talking to them. I'm sure there was even more. He uh, he but, asked, Justice asked you about uh, Kaiser, not Watson. So what are the same? No, no, I know, I know. I, oh, sorry, okay. I got sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Interrupt. I was getting back to Kaiser. Let him finish, no, Chuck. <laughs> What's up? I was telling him to let you finish. He keeps interrupting you. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. But uh, getting back to Kaiser, though, what I see with Kaiser, that's a huge difference for me. I love that first-year tape, but he had NFL talent around him. That He also had Lonnie Stanley there, I believe. Um, and he, he played more on instincts that first year. Like, if you look at the way he played, he ran more QB power that first year. He played more on instinct as far as he was getting out of the pocket more and not not essentially trying to get through his progressions, which he did try to do this year to prove he's a pocket NFL quarterback, but he's just not there yet. The, the big problem with Kaiser is his timing and his – the ability to match up his feet to his eyes, it's not there. Like, his timing and his rhythm in throwing the ball is off. So I just think he's a tick slow. And in the NFL, if he had top flight arm strength, which my grade for his arm was about an 83, and he has a nice arm, but I don't think it's top flight from off-platform. I think if he does sit back on a three, five, or seven-step drop, he has a top-flight arm. But my biggest problem is his timing. His timing is off, man. Like, he really has problems getting the ball out quick, getting the ball out in rhythm, seeing that first receiver that doesn't quite flash open, but you have to anticipate to throw him open to the end zone. 
he's more of a pick and stick guy. And what I heard from a source close to Brian Kelly, I do have an agent source, which does help a lot, is that if if we go back to where he was as a redshirt player, they didn't want Kaiser to play because he really, I mean, Malik Zaire, he's going to be a star player if he ever gets a shot, but he broke his ankle against Texas. He was in the Heisman running, and he's a nice player. He beat out Kaiser, and it wasn't even close. I mean, Malik Zaire had easily beaten out Kaiser. He had easily beaten out Everett Golson, and Kaiser just so happened to get his shot when Malik Zaire broke his ankle. But Malik Zaire showed flashes of Mike Vick, and that's why you honestly could see the talent in Kaiser once he got out there. But Kaiser does project more as an NFL quarterback than a college quarterback. I just think he needs time. He needs time. He needs somebody to teach him the game. He can't identify coverages yet. So if he could go to a team like Pittsburgh, if he could go to a team like Kansas City, it's a perfect fit. And I think he's a first-round fit, in my opinion. But his tape this year, I mean, it's awful. It's not good. And what, what makes it even worse is he compounded it by going on TV and saying, well, I have a competitive advantage. I'm ahead of these quarterbacks. I'm the better quarterback because I have the experience of losing at Notre Dame. That's their quote. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So, I mean, if you're trying to talk yourself out of the first round, then just keep doing what you're doing. But, I mean, wow, that just showed me, like, wow, he might be clueless. And I, I think Brian Kelly, there's there's real validity to what he said in terms of he should have came back. I mean, he needs to grow on and off the field. Not, not He doesn't have any red flags off the field, but he's just immature is what I hear. So, All right. Uh, and, well, St. You know, Nick. Before we let you go, because we're running on uh, 30 minutes here. Before we let you go, uh, do you have anything that you're working on that you want to let the people know about? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm about to release a full a two-round mock draft coming up here right before the draft tomorrow. So I'll probably release it tonight. Uh, just follow me. And... I'll just say Merry Christmas tomorrow the day. <laughs> Drop your Twitter handle. Drop your Twitter handle right now. At NFL Santa Claus. All right. So that's going to wrap up episode – or not episode, but our pre-draft special. Uh, thanks to NFL Santa Claus for coming on. You can find him on Twitter at NFL Santa Claus. We'll be back next week with, I think, either Matt Miller or Danny Kelly to... Uh, oh, actually, no. We'll be back on Thursday after the first round to recap the first round with uh, Jeff Risen. So, we will see you guys tomorrow. Happy draft day. Respect.